Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Buffs on Podcast. Just two of us today, Gabe, we're going to try our best to pull a task mail. Actually, not a task mail list. A Trey Kirby and uh, what's his name? J.E. Skeets today. Just us, two, just us two. Gabe, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Been an exciting week in Pistons basketball, finally. Obviously has. The long, long-awaited hiring of a, of a head coach has finally happened. Um, as by now, most of you probably know, the Pistons have hired Monty Williams on a six-year, $78.5 million deal. Uh, team options for two more years, as reported by Woj and James Edwards. The largest deal uh, in, in terms of lucrative value for an NBA head coach in the history of the game. Monty Williams was paid, you know. Um, they obviously wanted to get him. They tried the first time around. Monty Williams said, no, I want to take a year off. Come back with a large offer. And then what do you know? Monty Williams is in. Um, I'm really, really excited about this. I think most of the, the Detroit fan base is really excited about this as well. I think we got the best coach available, not just at the time being, but I think in the entirety of the offseason. Um, Monty Williams, once he was fired by Phoenix, was my guy. I never really thought it was going to be an option, but here we are with Monty Williams as our head coach. Uh, exciting times. But Gabe, how are you feeling now that we have Monty Williams? I'm feeling great, especially when the other two can- candidates kind of had like three or four interviews and it always felt like they're going to wait a little bit more with Lee and uh, Ollie kind of felt like uh, they didn't really want to go with either of those coaches but they would on the last resort and so Gores just came out showed that he's uh, willing to spend to make this team good you know we tried before with Stan Van we tried with uh, Casey it kind of worked with Casey and now with Monty, like you said, I think he's the perfect coach and the best coach for us. He's not too old. He's a he's a really good uh, X's and O's coach, especially on on uh, defense, and he re- relates to the players really well as well. And I think he'll really enjoy the kind of juxtaposition between the players he had in Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> compared to the players he has now. Yeah, absolutely true there. Um, great access, no coach. But when you like look at the hiring of Monty Williams, what's the one thing you look at as you're most excited for uh, bringing in a guy of his stature? Honestly, just having a smart basketball mind. You know, we talked a lot about Casey being able to develop, being good with a young crew, but he kind of got let go of Toronto for not being able to make the right decisions, not being able to win, win it all. Monty obviously he hasn't won anything yet. He got he did get to the finals though with the young uh, Suns team, and so now I just want to see because Pistons fans always complain, why is he playing? What are these rotations? Stuff like that. And now we can actually see how our team looks under a good coach, hopefully with a healthy team, and we can start to make decisions on the roster being our prim- prim- primary concern and not the the man in charge yeah that's such a good point that's something i'm really excited for i don't know how many times in the past four or five years i've said why is this guy in the court uh why is this mm-hmm. guy 30 plus minutes um but now you know monty williams has such a good basketball mind i respect him so much not to say that i don't with Dwayne casey um but monty williams just seems like another level of another tier of a head coach that we've been able to bring in um i'm really excited for this what I'm most excited for is not not that well, not only did we beat the Kevin Ollie allegations allegations, <laughs> but 
The Suns, when they first hired Monty Williams, they went from being absolute bottom dwellers to the number one seed in his first year. Um, yeah, they signed Chris Paul in that, which gave them a significant bump. Um, but in a way, I kind of see it us in a similar situation where Hayde is coming back when he only played 12 games last season. Um, so I feel like that's going to be an entirely new addition. Um, he's having a, a healthy offseason as far as I'm concerned. I think he's recovering very well. Um, I'm sure he and Monty have been in touch. I know Jaden Ivey. I think that he's already had some sort of contact with uh, with Monty. Yeah. I'm really excited for what that backcourt is going to do. Um, when you look at Chris Paul, who I'm going to further mention when we later do our, our player ceilings for each of our young guys. I, <laughs> I wonder who. <laughs> I think Chris Paul and Kate have a lot of similarities in the game. And then you kind of have that more up-tempo guy uh, with Jaden Ivey, whereas in Phoenix you had Devin Booker. Um, you know, obviously, you know, probably not quite there yet in terms of an all-around basketball player, but I think there's similarities there. And then the most, you know, annoying thing I think last year for Monty Williams was, was playing DeAndre in the center spot. Uh, they clearly had that falling out game seven when they got destroyed by Dallas a few uh, two years ago now. Um, but I'm really excited to see him work with, I think, a complete reverse of a big man um, in terms of like attitude with Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart. Those guys are going to go in there. You know, they want to beat the crap out of the other guys. You know, they're extremely physical. Um, the reverse of DeAndre Aiden. I think he's really going to relish playing with that. Um, but just one more thing that I really like about him is, is that he's known to be like a culture builder, um, has such yeah. a great basketball mind. He's so well-respected around the entire NBA. And again, you know, these are things we maybe said five years ago when we hired Dwayne Casey, but something about it does feel different to me. Um, the way he was let go in Phoenix kind of seemed like he was the scapegoat there and they just wanted to move on to a new head coach to try and shake yeah. it up and have more optimism going into the next season. But I think he's going to Really good culture here, but yeah, what do you got? The new owner was the only reason he was let go from there. Yeah, I think actually, it, was, yeah. It, was, it, yeah, it was a mistake by them. I mean, they have a Frank Vogel now, so I think that'll be good for uh, for Phoenix. I think One so more too. thing on, on on Monty real quick. Have you heard about his point five second offense or whatever? No, I have not. For, he he wants the players to make a decision in under a second, basically. Okay. Like you know, like you don't just hold and stand for more than a second. And I think that's gonna kind of indicate where this team is gonna like who will play on this team. Like Cade, can he do that? Yeah. Ivy, yeah. Dern, we've seen he moves quick, he passes quick, he has eyes, yes. Bogdanovich gets it up real quick. And I think the question there is Stewart. We saw flashes last year of his passing, his driving, his doing something else. But occasionally he just kind of stand there looking for a handoff at the top of the key. And I don't yeah. think that's going to fly anymore. And Killian as well. A lot of times when his left isn't there, he's just kind of standing around and uh, waiting to see what's next. So I'm excited to see how this ch like change of pace offense will uh, look for us. Because I think a lot of times we just play so slow. We definitely do, and that's, that was a trend of Dwayne Casey's play. Um, his teams typically played at a slower pace towards the end of the league. But you mentioned Killian Hayes. I'm really excited for that because I never heard about that, but that quicker action he's going to have to take, it's going to maybe have to force him to go right sometimes, you know, or more often than not, or he's going to have to just shoot when he gets the ball. But one thing about him is if he can make Cameron Payne, who was once voted the worst player in the NBA, if he made him into a pretty darn solid rotation player, uh, I think there's hope for Killian Hayes there. Um, and that's yeah. the 
a few final points on Monty Williams. Um, his systems typically are, are heavily um, pick and roll influenced, which I think is, is perfect for, for Cade and Ivy and then, and then Jalen Duran. And then my final point, um, I do believe he's an unrestricted free agent, but he's got a connection with Cameron Johnson, who obviously um, would fill in. There's a huge been some rumblings. Yeah, I've heard some rumblings as well. Um, we obviously, you know, we've talked about how much we need a wing for this team. Cam Johnson would be a great 3 and D guy. Has a history, obviously, with Monty Williams going back in Phoenix. Really developed into a solid player there. Um, I would be very happy if that if that ended up happening because we got a lot of money to spend this offseason despite, you know, uh, offering uh, or now giving Monty Williams this big deal, which obviously does not affect our cap hit at all. But um, anything you want to touch on with um, with Monty Williams before we head into our, our player ceilings for our young guys? Yeah, I think two things real quick. First, I think Monty... Casey, can you name a more culture-building duo in the NBA than those two guys at the head of the snake? No, it's it's, it's, it's perfect. I guess, you know, that's something we'll have to see, you know, maybe five, seven, ten years from now. Yeah, and then also, do you think this changes who, like, who we want to draft? Or do you think they always had in mind? Like, I heard James Edwards said in the last podcast that they already kind of have their lists of who they want to draft. Yeah. You think this changes, like, I don't know what kind of, like, Monty, I feel like he likes the Spurs type of players. You know, he wants the quick passers. He wants decision makers and kind of all-around players. I kind of feel I that um, Jairus Walker might be climbing up that board a little bit. I've Even seen a lot the... of Jairus Walker now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you, I don't particularly think that would change anything. Um, should he want more of those players? I think Taylor Hendricks would be a, a good option then. Uh, but I think Troy Weaver's got his list. I think obviously he'll be in contact with Monty and, and Tom Gores over that and and whatever. But I don't think the list is particularly changed. All right then, Monty Williams, welcome to Detroit. Excited for the future. He could be here. What is it? A potential with options for? Does it go up to nine years? Ten years? Something like that. I think until his son graduates high school and he's, I don't even know if he's in middle school yet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Welcome to Detroit, Monty Williams. Ready to see, uh, ready to see these guys in action, ready to see you with this young core. But um, for the second part of this podcast, we want to do something a little fun, uh, maybe a little optimistic. We took every Piston player that is 24 years of age or under um, outside of, outside of Isaiah Livers because he hasn't played much NBA basketball. And we did their player ceilings, what we think they could turn into. Um, I think, you know, like I said, this will be pretty optimistic to see what these guys could grow into because we've said so many times the sky is the limit, but maybe now we're we're putting A and B together and, and seeing where we can maybe get some comparisons with these guys. Um, is there anywhere else to start or do you want to start with Kate Cunningham? Yeah, no, let's start there. Um, like I told you before the podcast, I kind of have best case of like what level I – set awards but it's kind of like what level player they are kind of mm -hmm. like a estimated stat line and then a rough player comp so for me Cade has the potential to be MVP obviously be all NBA and then also be all be an all defense type of player I, I could see 28 10 10 maybe two steals in a block and that's absolutely ideal and for me that puts him in perfect uh company with Luca with the sliders more on defense than on offense. That's kind of where I see him being an all-around floor general. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? 
um, I kind of hinted at it earlier. Um, Chris Paul for me is like the perfect player comparison for me. Um, other than the fact that Kate is six foot six, you know, the way he reads the game and plays at his own pace. And at the same time, he can, he controls the whole tempo of the game. Um, Chris Paul was the guy that, that stuck in my head. Um, and I never really thought of a different guy. Uh, I thought I didn't really need to. Um, and MVP potential, absolutely defensive player of the year potential. Like you said, the only thing for me is I hope it doesn't turn into a, a Grant Hill situation where the injuries really catch up to him. But hopefully that's all behind yeah. him after this surgery. Um, then let's move into his, his backcourt partner, Jaden Ivey. This was an interesting one because I think there's a lot of guys you can compare him to. Um, like the obvious guys, like, you know, your Russell Westbrooks, John Morant, John Walls. I was looking at a guy. Clyde Drexler. Um, I was looking some film. I thought he looked actually really. I'm not similar. familiar with his game. It, it it took me some film <laughs> to watch. Obviously, I knew of his stature and everything, but one of the fastest players to ever play the game and incredibly athletic, Clyde Drexler. Um, but I ended, I didn't choose him as the comparison because I think Ivy possesses is going to possess and currently possesses more of a three point shot than all of the guys I just mentioned. Um, all while not really excelling on the defensive end. And I went with Donovan Mitchell, actually, here. Um, a high-volume okay. scorer, attempts a lot of threes, and just has that demeanor in him. You know, like, Donovan Mitchell loves basketball. He breathes basketball. He puts it and leaves it all out on the court. Um, and just the overall athleticism, speed, and ability to score from all three levels while being kind of a one, kind of a two, um, very much a tweener. Um, but in terms of, you know, award potential, I put Jaden Ivey right up there with Cade Cunningham in terms of MVP potential. You know, we've said on the pod many times that he could easily end up being the highest scorer on this team. Um, like he could average 25, 26, 27 plus even. Um, he could really do it all with his other utter athleticism. I chose Donovan Mitchell, but who'd you go with? Uh, good comparison. I didn't think of that. The only thing I'd say, Ivy's more of like a floor general than uh, Mitchell is. A little bit more, more size. So I didn't end up going with... Uh, Westbrook with a better jump shot is what I said. I think they just like they play so, so much alike. Young Westbrook was explosive, but he couldn't handle his own speed. But kind of slowed down, learned the game, and I think that's exactly exactly what happened with Ivy later in the season. I see him; he he could be like a thirty point per game scorer for me if he be, if he slows down because we all know he has that speed. He can, get to the only thing that I think he can't do as well as Cade is play defense. Uh, I don't have him. I don't see him like cracking that all defense team or anything, but MVP, why not? Yeah. MVP and, and scoring titles are the, are the two things that stick out, you know, for his potential um, awards or whatever we want to call it um, for me. Again, sky's the limit with Ivy. I'm really excited to see what Monty Williams is going to do with him. If he can, is he able to, you know, slow him down, cut his turnovers down, which are things you expect to see out of guys, young guys growing like that. But bringing in Monty Williams, especially, I think it's just going to significantly benefit that. Uh, Jalen Dern, I assume, is next on your list. Yep. And right off the bat, the most important thing, I think he has the potential, and I don't even think it's that optimistic to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, I think he can be an All NBA second team. Maybe first team depends on you know. There's not too many amazing young bigs in the league right now. They're mainly older guys. So if his time comes then. I could see it. I could see him being like a twenty and fourteen type of guy, two three blocks if it all like plays out perfectly. 
and I kind of have him. I mean, the obvious one is Dwight Howard. Uh, I think Dern has a little more IQ, a little more passing, a little more touch than Dwight did, while not being as like big and dominant. But I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good comparison to him. What about Bam Adebayo? Because I thought about him as well, and in, I don't want to in any way that's good. Bam Adebayo because he's been really good. But the way Bam has kind of developed a little mid-range jumper while not really going out to the three-point line, and you see his passes, especially with the back door. That's something I've seen yeah. so much from, or not so much, but in glimpses from Durham. Um, and also just like mechanically, I feel like they shoot in a similar a similar way. What do you think about yeah, the really high arc and <laughs> yeah. yeah? What do you think about? I think that's actually a great comparison. I think Duran is a little more big man than than Bam. Bam's almost like a like Stewart almost, I guess. Yeah, he's a little short. Um, yeah, he's just like, but yeah, that's a probably a better comparison than Dwight. Honestly, Duran has a little more in his bag. Yeah, this one was actually the hardest one for me, um, which was kind of a surprise looking at all these guys. He is so young. I mean, he's only 19 years old now. He came in the league as an 18 year old. I actually did pick Dwight Howard. But again, like, this okay, one yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I see, you know, I see Bam, but again, like, I don't want to disrespect Bam, but I think Jalen Duran could become better than him. And for people that aren't Pistons fans and maybe people that even are Pistons fans, that might sound a little ridiculous. But I genuinely do think the sky is the limit with him. And I see shades of other guys, you know, a little bit of Ben Wallace with that with that defensive shot blocking presence he brings. Moses Malone, the way he just destroys people on the offensive glass. And, you know, in my notes here, I wrote, you know, slightly Jokic-esque. <laughs> very, very funny, many glimpses. But no, I think that would be definitely um, stretches too far. But, you know, I'm going to change from Dwight Howard. I'm going to say Bam Adebayo, but... But two yeah. and again, oh yeah, a little like, more oomph. Yeah, a little more, a little more with him. Yeah. All right. What about his uh partner in the dog pound, Isaiah Stewart? Yeah, this one was very easy for me because Isaiah Stewart's even said it himself. He watches Al Horford film. Al Horford for me is the absolute guy to go here with because when I see Isaiah Stewart, I see a guy that can switch between four and five. A guy that just gels with teams. You know, he'll be able to help there. The three-point shots there, um, I think it's already on a – not a similar level, but I think it will be there on a similar level in a couple of seasons. And an underrated thing about him, which you might not, like, think when you see him or you watch him play, I think he's got a pretty good high, a high basketball IQ, Isaiah Stewart. Um, he looks to really get his teammates involved. He plays with that hunger, and he just knows what's going on, I feel like. And, again, noting back to Monty Williams here, I think his basketball IQ is only going to get better. And better. Um, I've always seen a few tweets from James Edwards saying how much he watches film, um, not just on himself, but on other guys, other teams. So I think he's really eager and has a high basketball IQ. So I think I went with Al Horford here. And I think it's the perfect one. Yeah, like, you, you nailed it. I'm in complete agreement. I wrote old Al Horford's skill in young Al Horford's body. He's like kind of old. Like Al, Al Horford used to just be like a big man, and now he's kind of become like he's wing skills in a big body. I think that's where Stewart's at. You know, he's raw, but if he can get up to like 38%, 40% from three, and then keep that all, like all defense level up, uh, that's, I think what prime Stu could be. And I think of all the ones, that's the one most likely to happen. I think the other ones, like we have really lofty expectations for the other three guys we've mentioned. Stu, I kind of know that. And I think he knows as well. He's not the star on this team, but he's 
absolutely integral to this team. Like you said, just the perfect piece for any uh, playoff team. Were there any other guys you even considered here, or was it just Al Horford right away? No, it came Al Horford right away. Um, yeah, just Al Horford pretty much. I thought P.J. Tucker for a little bit, but I think he has way more in his bag than P.J. Tucker. Yeah, a lot more. He's already shown but that. even if he could just be that absolute dog on defense, corner three-point shooter, I think that's a good floor for Stewart at this point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. We got three guys left, or at least I have three guys left. Um, should we finish up with the bigs? I don't know if you did James Wiseman or not, but I, I did do James Wiseman, but it was probably my worst, uh, my worst one. You know, I'm not too high on Wiseman anyway. Um, <laughs> I think his ceiling is kind of like a poor man's DeMarcus Cousins, an efficient scoring big, gives it right back on the other end. I think I could see like an 18 and nine type of guy. I don't think he's a starter. I don't really see his role off the bench either, if I'm going to be honest. But, like, on a different team where they just, they like, they'll have, like, I don't know, like the Heat, if you were on that team, you'd go out there, get buckets. Uh, and that's kind of where I see him. Yeah, I, too, uh, I'm not very high on James Wiseman. We haven't seen that much of him. Um, to be fair, no one really has in the NBA. He hasn't played much basketball. I want you to try to guess who I um, who I said for him it's he's no longer in the NBA he's retired uh, obviously a center but try to try to take some guesses and narrow it down uh Greg Monroe <laughs> no <laughs> uh is, is is it is it an insane player it's not insane I do believe he was a one-time all-star uh Al Jefferson no, he played in the Western Conference most of his career. He was a white guy. Paul Gasol? Uh, not that skilled. <laughs> Chris Kamen. Uh, Chris Kamen. He made an all-star team, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he averaged 18 <laughs> one year. Um, yeah, a big with an ability to score in the post, but um, outside of that, doesn't really provide much else. Um, <laughs> I don't really know why I went with Chris Kamen. I just remember playing with him on 2K, and I looked at his stats, and I thought, hey, you know what, why not? Because Wiseman is such a mystery. You know, I don't think any of us really have that much optimism that he's going to turn out to be a, a very good NBA player, but, you know, he potentially still could be. Um, Chris Kamen, kind of a shot in the dark. Uh, but James Wiseman's career so far has been kind of a mystery, so a tough one there. But I've got Killian Hayes and Isaiah Livers left. Do you have anybody else? Um, I think I also threw in Bagley and RJ. Bagley and RJ. You want to go over those guys really quick? <laughs> yeah, sure. RJ, I think his ceiling is just like a playable wing, a tertiary creator. I struggled to find a player comp. Um you know, just your classic 3 and D kind of small wing. I think he could be a player that doesn't hurt you, hits a few threes, and that's it. Marvin Bagley, I think John Collins is a good uh, – what he could be if he just works on – if he really puts the effort into defense. And we know he can score and he can jump. If he works on that shot a little bit and just plays hard on defense, I could see him having an NBA career, which – I'm not, I can't always see in his game. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think John Collins is kind of the perfect guy uh, to compare him to. Um, not much there 
offensively right now for Marvin Bagley other than finishing plays by the rim and maybe a few hook shots. But um, should we you know for RJ, Tony Snell, prime Tony Snell <laughs> yeah, as an yeah. RJ comparison. Tony Snell. I, that's pretty good. He could end up doing – like sometimes I forget RJ Hampton's on the court, and I definitely noticed that with Tony Snell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let's let's finish off on Killian Hayes. So let's go Isaiah okay. Um I went with an ex-Piston here, actually. I went with Jeremy Grant. Oh, interesting. I also went with an ex-Piston. Well, I'm excited to see, but I think he's reliable from deep while being very athletic. Um, we kind of call liver sneaky athletic, but I, mean, I don't think it's much of a secret now. He's very athletic, and he gets it done on the defensive end, and he's very switchable. Um, I don't want to say one through five, probably about some ones, one through four. Uh, I think it's a pretty valuable asset to have. I think the three-point shot is further along earlier in his career, and it's going to stay at a, you know, a pretty solid late, a rate. He shoots around 40% for his, his short NBA career so far, um, whereas Grant obviously had to develop that as his career went on, but reliable now from deep. But, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be that much in terms of scoring with the ball. Um, yeah. He's just going to be a very solid role player. Yeah, I see his role more of a, I said, a larger KCP, just a three and D. You know, he kind of occasionally will get his own shot, but very rarely. Um, and he's like a, a what about this guy for some all defense teams and just being super solid. Like you said, three point shooting. I just don't think he has the size or the creation ability that Jeremy does or the athleticism. Athleticism? I'll debate you on that one. <laughs> Jeremy is crazy thing, athletic. He's had some, you know, some sneaky blocks, layups and dunks that really make you open your eyes up. But um, one thing we keep saying with a lot of these guys, maybe Jaden Ivey excluded, is um, all defensive teams and defensive player of the year awards. I mean, honestly, Ivey too. You, you could, you would put Ivy in that consideration. I mean, what was his wingspan? Like six ten or something? It was something ridiculous. Yeah. Like obviously he was a terrible defender this year, but with a guy like Monty, who I'm sure, one other thing, I think Monty learned a lot from Chris Paul. I'm sure Chris Paul took took a very large like coaching role on that team, how to distribute and like play from the point guard position. Um. So I think Ivy does have the potential. Like, he has the tools. It's just a matter of, is he going to play defense? The tools are definitely Is he going to learn? Yeah. Maybe I'd love to see, like, um, an Anthony Edwards-level jump or um, a Michael Porter Jr. kind of jump on the defensive yeah. side. Of that would be nice. NPJ, yeah. yeah, that's a good call. Especially being, like, bigger than a lot of other guards, standing at 6'4", 6'5", with that long wingspan. Um, that's something we see Michael Porter Jr. do so much, use that long wingspan, that longer frame to to catch up the guys. And he has that speed to catch up the guys. But it's a good thing that we keep bringing up. You know, hopefully it comes to fruition. But it's a good thing that these defense is something we're bringing up so much with these guys. And our final guy here, Killian Hayes, um, I'm always going to bring up defense with him. That's pretty much the only thing he's consistently brought um, in his first three years of the league along with a lot of passing. Um, and I went with Lonzo Ball. I was kind of tallying between him and, and Marcus Smart, but I kind of see more flashiness um, in Killian Hayes. That's why I went with Lon- Lonzo. Uh, but that jumper needs to come around, man, because Lonzo, you know, albeit had a kind of an ugly start shooting the ball from three-point range, obviously had a whole change in his mechanics, which Killian Hayes kind of did on a smaller scale. But yeah. his jumper definitely changed, but... It needs to come around for him to get that comparison. And obviously, a lot of of other things need to happen. But 
I'm worried what what you said here. I think you might really disrespect my opinion here with with your ceiling for for Killian Hayes. Oh, I do think his ceiling is a starting point guard in this league and like all defense level. Okay. Whether or not he reaches that, <laughs> that's yet to be seen. But I like the Lonzo Ball. You know, I've been saying if Killian kind of reworks himself into more of being a connecting wing rather than a lead point guard because he doesn't. I don't think he has the creation ability. That would be a really good role for him. So I think Lonzo Ball is a great, uh, a great comparison. I went with uh, Ricky Rubio. Like you okay. said, he kind of has the flash. Ricky Rubio is a great defender. He didn't really live up to his name either, which I think Killian might do. But he's a, a solid player. He's still in the league. And he like a guy who averages 10 points and 8 assists, whether it comes off the bench or starts, like that's a solid player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was trying to find a way to convince myself to go in on Tony Parker, um, but I couldn't find much else other than a little push shot he likes and the fact that they're French. Um, but yeah, uh, anyone else you have here? Or is that all the guys we went over here for our season? Uh, that is all the guys. I guess yeah, so, what, what yeah, draft pick at five do you think has the highest ceiling we could get? He's not on our team yet, but potentially. Yeah, I would say... Oh, man, a tough one. I, I, I wanted to jump ahead and say Taylor Hendricks just because he's already shown a little bit more of everything. Yeah, he has the highest floor already. The highest floor, but that always doesn't always translate the ceiling. So I think Cam Whitmore, because his questions have been that that like kind of lack of playmaking isn't there, or the lack of playmaking, and then on top of that, the shot is has a few questions about it. So I guess theoretically, if he you know does turn out to be able to do that and do those two things, he could turn out to be one hell of a player. What about you? Yeah, I think for me, it's Asar Thompson. I've grew, grew, growing on him more and more. Um, and, it, you know, everyone knows how athletic he is. It's just that shot. He's a great defender already. I think he could really, like, I don't know a good player come for him either. Uh, but he could, I think, aside from Victor, he could be the best player in this class. I think I'll a lot of these guys could just depends on who, who hits the mark and who doesn't always hard to tell. And, and quite frankly, I honestly never watch enough, enough college basketball or never follow enough really to, um, to really make a full minded opinion on these guys. So, so take my opinion on the draft with a grain of salt, but we're about three weeks away from the NBA draft. Monte Williams is in four years. was going to be cooking. Will he trade that pick? I'm sure he's talking, but. Three weeks from now, we'll find out our fate, and then we can advance officially into that off-season. Summer League is not too far away, if you think about it, which should be an exciting time, as it always is for us Pistons fans. But other exciting stuff going out right now, on right now, as we as we wrap up the podcast. The uh, as we're recording, the Nuggets are up one zero. They won last night quite comfortably, I'd say, against against Miami. Um, yep. it's just. Keeps on doing Jokic things. It looked like to me he was sleepwalking out there and he dropped a 27-point triple-double at 10 assists at halftime. You know, I don't want to count the, <laughs> the heat out because I've kind of been counting them out series after series, but they keep coming back. But I don't see a way they get anything from this game. My official prediction was Nuggets in four, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Um, any takeaways from, from game one? It's kind of... Kind of what I expected. The Heat missed a lot of open shots, um, but Nuggets scramble, so they're not really open shots. Uh, I think the most apparent thing was like the first, like I don't know, 
five of the first six possessions were just Aaron Gordon bullying whoever was mm-hmm. on him. I think he's just been, you know, I made a case for him to be an all-star. I think he's just a phenomenal player. Jamal Murray is on an on a run that like is pretty much unmatched in in recent years for a point guard. And then of course, Jokic. I could this um what's their coach's name? Malone. He's yeah. compared uh Jokic to Tim Duncan. I could see this being the start of like the Nuggets dynasty here, where for the next three, five years, good luck. Like they have everything. They have no weak links. Everyone's playing amazing. And then MPJ, like you said, by his defense has been incredible the whole playoffs now. And he's just like, they're so big compared to the Heat. Bam yeah, but- should realistically be like guarding Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> MPJ had like, I swear he had like three of those. And I've seen it just in, just in game one. And I've seen it so much at the playoffs where the screen comes or whatever. He gets behind this guy, but they don't. Chase down. He comes back yeah. and he gets a piece of it. I see that so much. And then one thing I want to touch on from this game, I texted in our group chat. Um, I love how whoever gets the run for the Nuggets, most of the time it's push. It doesn't matter who it is. And in that first half, really, it seemed like Aaron Gordon was pretty much the point guard. He was bringing the ball up most of the time, and they bring it up so fast. And they have so much size. Everyone on their team is is bigger than everyone else, other than like KCP was your average, your average two. But Murray's bigger than most ones. MPJ is a ginormous three. Gordon obviously showed he's a big four and, and Jokic can is bigger than everybody in the NBA. And when you get that, you know, that combination of size and speed and then whoever gets the ball down, pushes up the court so quickly, it causes mismatches, uh, which where we saw Aaron Gordon feast really early on, on Gabe Vincent most of the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's something I really would like to see from us. I don't know how feasible it is, but there's no reason, or I guess there's no reason it couldn't happen. I think, with Kate being large than a lot of people, Ivy large, quick, um, whoever we bring in this offseason at the three, um, Stuart Duran, I think those guys have the potential to to kind of fill in those roles in, in, in some sort of capacity where they can bring the ball up and cause mismatches and get quick buckets. I think that's something we could do. I would hope to see that a little bit more, not just, you know, let's bring it up, Kate's bringing it up, Ivy's bringing it up. Um, play with our pace, um, which suits Jaden Ivy, who we said could maybe average 30 a game. I think that'd be a big key to that. Yeah, and uh, to play out of the post, like you said, we have size. Butler does it. Jokic obviously is the best in the world at it. Like, you get in the post, you're larger than your guy, and then Cade has the vision. When the help comes, kick out. And I think, like, I don't know, it just like, and when I watch the playoffs this year, we have the blueprint to a successful team. Switchable defense, size inside scoring the three-point shot is not there you know that's what got Miami to the finals pretty much but you just have to want it more and most of the time that'll mean that means win the game and I think we have the heart for that so I'm excited to see I don't think we're making playoffs next year but maybe we're a play on a playing team and then who knows what happens yeah, and then also, like, just having that organic team. Um, you know, the Nuggets drafted all of yeah. our guys. We obviously drafted all of our guys. We didn't draft a Jokic in the second round, but, you know, same pattern. Maybe we um, did. Gabriel Prochita still playing in Europe. Happy Jokic birthday, Jokic played Gabriel. his first year in Europe. Yeah, happy birthday, by the way. It's his birthday today while recording on, on June 2nd. Um, How old he is? 
I actually don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Twenty-one, say. twenty-two, probably twenty. Do you see any any points of optimism for uh for the Miami Heat here, or do you think it's really just <laughs> they had that little stretch like in the fourth quarter where they got the game to within like nine points. Yeah, I think that was mainly. It's his twentieth birthday today. I think it was mainly Jokic took five shots pretty much up to that point. Um, but you can tell the zone works when Jokic is on the bench. He looked tired that game. Uh, like they were picking him up right at right, like when they passed the ball in. But just I don't know. Sure, like they might get hot for a game and win one. But they've, they've had an exhausting run to the finals. The Nuggets are really, really good. And I've, I, there's no, no shame in, uh, in losing. And I think they will lose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially as an AC, you know, it's been said so much. But anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think we got it all. Sweet. Well, uh, if you're still listening, we want to. Thank you, and also want to hear from you guys, Bucks on fans. What do you think about the Pistons hiring Monty Williams? What do you think about player ceilings? Did we get them right, or do you think a different way? And what do you think about the NBA Finals? Do you perhaps see something sneaky coming from Miami? Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see. Sorry, I just thought in the back of my mind, I, I was listening to the No Dunks the other day, and they posed a question. Would you rather – which is more likely, you think, the the Heat winning in seven games or the Nuggets sweeping? Is it a Nuggets oh, yeah. sweeping? yeah. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, nothing else to, to report here. We'll see you guys next week again. Again, we want to hear from you guys, what you guys think between from everything we discussed today. But throw the buffs on Detroit because the future is bright.